So how was Norwich, Matthew? It was all right. <laughs> that was enthusiastic. Yeah. It was all right. It was not bad, actually. Was it ever really bad? It's not terrible. It just can get a bit dull sometimes. Okay, do you not take your devices with you, as in, like, your laptop and your phone, to distract yourself? Yeah, sometimes, but but they just constantly, like... You try to do something, and then they just, just realise you're doing something, so they'll start talking to you. They're really annoying like that. that. I hate that, like, whenever my parents... And I've got headphones in, so clearly I'm not paying attention. Yeah. Yet they're talking to me anyway. It's, it's quite annoying. Yeah. Yeah, well, so did you enjoy your break? You, I'm guessing you didn't enjoy your breakaway too much then from podcasting. Oh yeah, it was all right. It's nice to get away from Leicester. I mean, yeah, but that's because it's Leicester. A <laughs> <laughs> we insult everyone in every place. No, yeah, we we just hate everywhere basically. Yeah, we do. But I think I think the listeners know that at this point. Yeah, I I um, called in sick a couple of days this week. Really? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I just sat in my bed watching movies. They're actually, Chris sent me this brilliant video of him finding the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, yeah. on Netflix. And I really want to edit it into this podcast, <laughs> but I don't know if he actually mentions it. Yeah. But I don't know if he actually says the name. But if he does, then it will be inserted here. No. 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 Look. Ivan Ooze. Yes. 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 Power Rangers the movie. Oh, sweet. If not, that was an awkward pause. Yeah. And we will not be inserting anything in anywhere. Oh, that's what she so said. So I watched that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched that, and then, then I felt a bit too childish, so I started watching, you know, Hollow, The Hollow Crown? Yeah. That series of movies from a few years ago, of the sh- based Shakespeare. on Shakespeare. So I started watching that. Yeah. And every time Tom Hiddleston came on screen, I'd take a picture and send it to Sumia. Because she was at work, and it was fun yeah. to tease her while she's at work, and I'm sitting at home watching Tom Hilderson yeah. be, uh, become a man and then die. <coughs> what is wrong with you? You keep coughing. I got cold last you're gonna, week. You're gonna, yeah, you're going to blow our listeners' eardrums out if they're listening through their headphones. Yeah, well, so it blew out my eardrum. My hearing's not been right since this cold. <laughs> my left yeah, ear I get that, that. It rings in it. Yeah, yeah, it rings. Yeah, it's a bit echoey and stuff like that, so... No, I get... Uh, mine's mainly fuzzy, but I've always had problems with my earrings. Earrings? Hearing. Mm, yeah. Oh, Talking so, about um, Shakespeare, you, I yeah. heard that the BBC... Was it one or one of the BBC controllers was saying, oh, we're going to do stuff that's really original and authentic, and they announced they're going to do a Midsummer Night's Dream. Like, that hasn't been done before. Like, Shakespeare hasn't been done a million <laughs> times before. Yeah, it does get done quite a lot, but I I quite like watching it. Reading it, it's not the same impact as watching it. Because reading it, you're just like, what is this daft man going on about? And why is he speaking gibberish? But then watching it, you get the the bodily movements, you get the facial expressions, you get the costume. I love the costume in Shakespeare adaptations. Yeah. 
But yeah, watching it, I, I, I understand why people adapt it because watching it is riveting. I, I have seen it at the theatre actually a couple of times and it is actually I, quite good. Yeah, I don't think I've seen the Midsummer Night streams. I watched um, Hamlet. I, was, yeah. I actually did it at Hamlet as well. I was um, the mother, the queen, and. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, but it was like we were play acting, so it was us in a class. Really? I, 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 that still counts. Huh? You mean it didn't happen to you? You're not really no, the mother. No, unfortunately, of I didn't live through that. So I watched Hamlet, and I've watched Beth in the <coughs> theatre, and they were both pretty good. I watched Romeo and Juliet as well, I think. But that was eons ago. I can't really remember. I think that was my first introduction to theatre was oh, yeah. Romeo and Juliet when I was like in primary school. I watched Twelfth Night at <sighs> the. I actually watched it at the Shakespeare Place. Oh, the Globe. Yeah, where. Um, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Where it is. Uh, well, yeah, upon I was, I was meaning to like go that. there, but yeah. I haven't it's really nice. Tickets. Someone actually. else was supposed to get us tickets. It's really nice place. Apart from they got chased by some geese. They, they <laughs> but that would be quite fun, really, wouldn't it? Not it's necessarily. They're, they're quite, you know, they're quite pervy geese. Geese. <laughs> they were looking at me in a weird way. <laughs> they look like they fancied me, to be honest. Pervy geese. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they were. I mean, you'd have to ask them what they were actually thinking at that time. Yeah, I don't think they were thinking of defiling you. They're geese. They're attracted to other... Ge- well, actually, then dogs hump humans, don't they? Yeah, they do, actually. Yeah. I don't but then again, humans sometimes go for animals. So, you know, it's a very confusing place to the world. Yeah. Dave Cameron, yeah. for example. Huh? Dave Cameron, for, David Cameron, for example. <laughs> 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 see, see, that's timely and relevant for us, but this isn't going to go out for a few weeks. People are going to forget. <laughs> Well, we can remind them that David Cameron fucked a pig. Pig fucking. That's what the Tories do. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's bestiality and necrophilia. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, Labour does fuck the finances, so, you know. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and fuck the third world as well, and Middle East, and civilians. Yeah. Basically, they do, actually, no, yeah, I think Labour <coughs> have fucked a lot more people than pigs. Mm. Than pigs. I never thought I'd say that. Like, ever. We don't, I mean, we don't actually know that this happened. Yeah, it probably it, did. It was though. in a, like, a book where he was... Yeah, but I'd like delivered. to believe that it did. For the pig's sake, or who? Who's No, just, just uh, for some amusement. Mm. Like, our government isn't that interesting. Because... Yeah. Yeah, like, you that. see other governments around the world, their presidents go on chat shows that are funny, and they seem like human beings sometimes. Whereas our ones, they're a bit boring. We've had this conversation before, haven't we? Had it with Mar- the Mariti Sword one. Yeah. We have boring politicians. Yeah. But that is not what this episode is about. No, it's not. It's what is it what about? Is it about you can, you I can... don't know. What is it about? Oh shit! We shouldn't have oh, decided that before we started recording. It's that baby. It is a specific child, not just a baby. Yeah. Whose baby is, is it, Tarman? It is Charles Lindbergh Sr.'s baby. And who was, was, who was he? He was... Shit, no, we can't do this. Okay, intro music. Oh, yeah. Intro music. Welcome to the Dorks Deduction Podcast. Hello, Where we talk about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so do I have to do the background of this one? It's up to you. Uh, but I, d- I only read up about the kidnapping. I don't know anything about Charles Lindbergh Sr., other than he's an aviator and he's really, really rich. 
Uh, well, he was only rich because of the aviating. He was, I thought we had family money. No, he was, um, he was uh, relatively obscure, actually, before. He may have oh, had okay. a bit of money, but he wasn't exactly... He must have had some money to become an aviator. True, but he got. I think he got a lot more of the money from aviating, mm. from flying about. Okay, so that's the background on Charles Lindbergh Sr. We do, there's a bit more. <laughs> the reason why he's famous is because he flew across the channel to England. Ah, uh, yes, I knew that. sunny England, you know, how pleased he must have been to do that. Well, you know what, this was like the 20s, right? So um, it might have been sunny back then. Yeah, it's always sunny. I don't think it's always past, been this way. <laughs> Actually, no, it's more sunnier these days. Uh, we're getting distracted already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So that was our background on Charles Lindbergh Sr., I guess. He, he flew planes and he flew to England and he made money. Um, he was also interested in eugenics, but we'll come to why that's important later on. It's just, I thought we should announce that. Now. Yeah, this is the reason why I don't do the background <laughs> explanation for people. I just skip over everything, yeah. He did this, he did this, and he was this. Um, was like, that's enough. I mean, Tom is a big fan of eugenics, so we'll... Uh, Huge fan. Like, I totally know what that is. Do you? No. It's selection. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, oh, yeah, no, it's no, I know what it is. you selectively breed, so you yeah, I know what that is. I know strong what that is. specimen. Yeah, I, I know what that is. I just forgot Clearly the name. I know what that is. Clearly, my mother and father are into that eugenics, because I'm a magnificent specimen, so... <laughs> 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 We're just going to have to stop for ten minutes while I laugh. Oh, fuck off. It's not, it's not that unbelievable. God. It was such a delayed fuck off as well. So, so your magnificent session, that's really, really slow. Shut up. We're meant to be doing about this baby you want to talk about. This baby. This ba- You're okay, the one that so wanted to what? do this podcast. Yeah? You're the one that wanted to do this one as well. I suggested it. You suggested it. it, yeah. So, you know. Yeah, I suggested it. I didn't say, oh, we're doing it. That's that. Anyway, so where were we? <laughs> we we, we just brushed over I Charles Lindbergh Sr. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to add, really, other than that he flew across the channel. He got really famous. I mean, he was treated as a hero. By mm, he was yeah, quite, I guess so. He was, sort of like footballers in the 1920s. Well, even more so. I mean, people were saying he was, like, on par with, like, the presidents and stuff like that. Yeah, some deluded folks think footballers are very high status as well, whereas all they do is kick a ball around I for 90 know. minutes. Thierry Henry. I love Thierry Henry. He's like my... F- yeah, I love him. So yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll defend footballers a little bit. It is a bit more than that. They are... They, these days, no, they're but incredibly no, no, athletic okay, okay, it's a sport, and I understand why people enjoy watching it. It's just they're overpaid idiots. Yeah, but you can say the same about Formula 1. You can say the same about lots of things. You can say the same about pop stars. I do. And... I do. Other people. I'm so underpaid, though. As in, oh, we yeah. don't get any money I was for just this. about to suggest that people who work at... Shh, shh, shh. I'm not revealing that information. He bleeps out. In Eton, or wherever. You think I'm in Eton? Yeah, you went to okay. Eton. You're such an elitist, Tom. You know what? The thing about Eton, I've been called posh a lot recently. Even my best friend, mm. in response to a text message I sent her, said, oh, you're a bit posh now. And I was like, what? This was a text message. How could I sound posh in a text message? So do I come across as posh? Listeners, please tell me so I'll start dropping more teas. Of course you don't. Good. <laughs> you sound like a pleb, Tarman. <laughs> I bloody well hope not. 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> how many times have we have we been distracted already? Yeah, but I mean that that's you know the listeners. That's what they love about us. Probably. Well, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I don't sound too convinced by that. Uh, that's what Yulia loves about us, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's the only listener we get feedback from. Oh, I don't know. Um, right, so where were we about this guy? I think we literally just yeah, I mean, we've spoken said, about Charles Senior. Yeah, we've said he's famous. Right, yeah, he's so famous, let's get on dude. to the actual crime. So I'm gonna... Which is a vicious crime, so this that was probably the most light-hearted that we're going to get. Yeah, now. it's all downhill for me. Yeah, it's all downhill, um, so you can we, switch we off now if you're just looking for fun times. We the N-word at some point, not the, uh, the rude oh, one Oh, yeah, about... no, we actually do have to. Uh, we actually do have to mention the, uh, that at some point. The, uh... But you know what? If you just tune in for the fun times, this is the moment that you should switch off. Yeah. Yeah, so bye, Yulia. Bye. Bye, Sumi. Is Yulia not like the Nazis? I don't know. I don't know how much of it she actually listens to. <laughs> she gives me a play-by-play, you know, like I live tweet when I'm watching TV. She, like, live yeah. messages me as she's listening to the podcast. It's actually quite yeah. nice. But then we edit it and record it so long before it goes out and don't know what she's talking about. Yeah. Like, she messaged me the other day saying, oh, I love the intro to Reptilian Humanoids. I'm like, I don't even know what we did for the intro <laughs> <Yeah>. of that. <laughs> like, that was ages ago. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I know they're unpopular, so, you know. I mean, she's yeah, more so we can, we can like talk them. about them as much as we want. Yeah. All right, anyway. Do you want me to do it, or are you all right? To... Yeah, you'd probably be better, and then I'll just interrupt whenever you're, you know, leave anything out or I have any input. Okay. Well, I, I look forward to that. So, the date is March 1st, 1932. Yes. Uh, that was my input, sorry. Okay, thank you. Uh, okay. <laughs> the time is 8 o'clock, and the nurse of a family, Betty Gow, puts 20-month-old Charles Lindbergh Jr. to bed. Matt, are you reading from Wikipedia word for word? Maybe change it slightly. But basically, listeners, if you can't be bothered to listen, search the Lindbergh um, kidnapping on Wikipedia. Come on, you know, I've got to sound like I know what I'm talking about. All right, all right, carry on. Uh, She wrapped the baby in a blanket and fastened it with two large pins to prevent him from moving. (laughs) You don't need to say everything that's on there. No, it could be important, you never know. (laughs) Right, so around 9.30, Charles Lindbergh hears a sound. Senior. Yeah, senior. <laughs> Not the baby. We're going to call Charles Augustus Lindbergh Jr. just Charlie because that's what the family called him. Okay, little Charlie. Okay. Little Charlie. Fuck off, Charlie. Um. <laughs> Shit, sh- the baby's dead for crying out loud. Sorry, spoiler. But the baby's so dead for crying out loud. People. I mean, a lot of people. Like, my dad's dead and he was born that year. So. Again, your parents. <laughs> they pop off on this a lot, aren't they? <laughs> yes. he, was bo- he was born after this happened, so he- he's not... He's not to blame for okay. that one. However, at 10pm... Oh, I meant to say, uh, the Charles Lindbergh, he dismissed this noise. He just thought it was something going on in the house, something like falling or something like that. Um, however, at 10pm, the nurse, she uh, goes to look yeah. in, in on the baby. I think it was Gal again. Yeah, that's what I was saying, Gal, oh, the okay. nurse. And she discovers that uh, little Charlie's not in the crib. So she asks the mother, who'd just come out of the bath if the baby was with her, and obviously she answered no. Uh, so she then runs downstairs to talk to Charles Lindbergh, who goes upstairs to, find, to see himself that the baby has disappeared. He then gets his gun and searches the grounds of the house, 
and obviously I don't and think he found anything, but obviously they call they call Yeah, he didn't find anything himself, no. And so on to come Ap- apart from no, actually he did start and find something. He found the envelope on the windowsill. Oh uh, yeah. With with the letter from the kidnappers. Yeah. We'll read that in a so little bit. That's the only thing he found, but he didn't open it at that time. Yeah. I thought it was already opened. No, it didn't. They didn't open it until the police showed up. Oh, okay. Maybe I should have done the background. Actually, but no, no, it says the ransom note that was found by Lindbergh was say, Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, so Chief Harry Wolf of the police was on the scene first. And so they. Yeah, but can I just interject right now? Yes. What is it? Um, from, <laughs> from the kidnapping and him, him searching the house, it took the police 20 minutes to actually just make their... Not even make their way. That's when they started making their way. And they came along with the press. 20 minutes? A one-year-old child was kidnapped, and it takes them 20 minutes to actually start getting a move on. I don't know. It's quite a secluded area, so it could have taken them. No, no. It it took them 20 minutes to start getting a move on. Not it took them 20 minutes to get there. Well, you know, it could be difficult to get out of bed sometimes, can't it? You know... You it know, was 10 o'clock. It's a one-year-old baby. It probably, you know, crawled off somewhere. How 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 much do you think one-year-olds can move by themselves? And even then, they're not going to walk down the stairs out the door, are they? Well, you know, obviously this baby wouldn't have moved a lot because of the thing that the, the nurse wrapped him in. I told you that would come in important. <laughs> <laughs> I brought that up for quite a precise reason. Have I distracted you from the Wikipedia page you're <laughs> yeah. reading from now? <laughs> so, after midnight, a fingerprint expert arrives at the home to examine the note left on the windowsill and the ladder which had been found in the bushes nearby. It was broken ladder and handmade. There was three pieces, wasn't there? Yeah, so it was broken apart and it was handmade. Yeah. And not very well. Well, no, it was intelligently de- designed, they said. How could... Uh, it's a ladder. How difficult is that? It's, uh, if you're making your own, I suppose it's... You need a few planks of wood. Nail shit together. Just make sure it's, le- uh, it's level. Oh, OK, Tom in the carpenter. You know, she can... <laughs> <laughs> I can do anything yeah. I want to. Um, the ladder had 400 partial fingerprints and some footprints left behind. Uh, these not on, n- not on the ladder, though. It was in the area that was footprints left behind. Oh, yeah, obviously not on the ladder. But the ladder okay. had partial footprint. Uh, fingerprints. Had, yeah, four hundred. Yeah, carry on. Look what you're doing to me already. Um, <laughs> the fingerprints are going to be important later on. We'll just add that now. However, most were of no value to the investigation, to, to the search of the media and police that were present within the first 30 to 60 minutes. So there was a lot of people who turned up and... Yes, it contaminated the crime scene. Yeah, I'm going to skip forward a little bit to say who who was on the scene a lot. So literally a lot, but obviously they said the media was there, but there was other people with, like, military colonels were there as well, with lots of long names that I'm not sure I can pronounce. Um, let's not bother pronouncing the names. All we know is that they showed up and offered them he- the Limburg's help because of the Limburg status in yeah. the world. The, these, and these... Charles Limburg actually selected a few of them to help him. Yeah, I mean, these were relatively influential high people. They're, yeah. they're high-ranking officials, weren't they? Pretty much. They were in the military, mm. so uh, there was, like, a superintendent of the New Jersey State Police and stuff like that. And there was a mm-hmm. lawyer, a Wall Street lawyer, so they had to obviously be quite, you know... Well-connected. Yeah, as was uh, Charles Lindbergh, but we'll come on to that later. So, yeah, not a single adult footprint, fingerprint 
was found in the room, including in, in the areas where the key witnesses admitted to touching, such as the probable entry window. So that makes it slightly suspicious that fingerprints may have been cleaned up or removed. Uh, so it shows that it might have been planned? Yeah, possibly. But we'll come on to that later. Yes, we better do because I have some stuff I'm to I'm just doing about. the investigation first and then we can do the theories. Because that's the section that you're on on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I laughed earlier. Because <laughs> it's obvious that I'm reading from it. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm not editing that bit out. I'm leaving that in. Everyone's going to know you're reading from Wikipedia. Oh, fuck off, Tom. <laughs> so, uh, fingerprints of the baby <laughs> on the lower areas of the room. The ransom note that was found by Lindbergh was opened and read by the police after they arrived. The brief handwritten letter was riddled with spelling mistakes and grammatical Oh, regular. my God, you're reading it word for word. Oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, look, how else am I meant to do it? <laughs> so, do you want, I'm going to read that one note, if that's important. OK, that's one that you can read out word for word, it's fine. Because that's what they actually said. Right, dear sir, have $50,000... Mm -hmm. Ready, $25,000 in $20 bills, $15,000 in $10 bills, and $10,000 in $5 bills. After two to four days, we inform you where to deliver mon the money. Uh, we warn you for making Andying public or for notify the police. The child is in gut care. Indication for all letters are signature wherever. Matt made that sound better than it was actually written. There was a lot more yeah. spelling mistakes and words that didn't make any sense. For example, where was spelled as were. Yeah. And what the hell does gut mean? Gut care, I'm not sure. Andying, I don't even, like, not entirely sure what that means either. Yeah. And because of this, Lindbergh, Lindbergh and his military, his little own section of military people that he was using, they thought that it was a native German person, which I didn't understand because it could have been anyone. It could have been anyone. It could have been anyone that wasn't or, didn't have English as their first language. Or, it didn't have to be German. Or even someone who's a bit dumb. <laughs> yeah, possibly. You know, yeah, possible, or someone that's some, dyslexic yeah. or someone that just has, hasn't had an education. What's, what's the word for people who can't read and write? Illiterate. Illiterate, that's the one. Yeah, but then they wouldn't have been able to write anything. Yeah, but close to that, illiterate. No, 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 it could be, because if they were illiterate, there would be no semblance of any meaning behind the letter, whereas we can make out what he wants. Yeah, I suppose. So if they're illiterate, they wouldn't have been able to even do that. Yeah, but... And uh, can I just say, anybody in this day and age that lives in a first world country that doesn't know how to read or write, there's something wrong with you. Not necessarily. No, no, there has to be, because, like, they get handed an education. I don't understand why. Like, I speak <coughs> to people all the time. I have to interact with people all the time. And sometimes, like, you get the odd person saying, oh, I can't read or write. And I'm just like, but you have to fill out this form. And there's like, I can't read or write. I'm just like, how can you not read or write? Are you kidding me? You get handed an education, whereas people in other countries, third world countries, are fighting for one. Yeah, but it's not always easy, easy as that. No, but not being able to read or write at all. Mm. Grown adults not being able to read or write at all. Yeah, but sometimes the kids aren't but always I, I educated that I get not being able to well. read or write well. That just means, you know, you're not very good at learning things. But at all, come on now. Hmm. I don't, I mean, I, I can understand in, like, the older days. Yeah, I know, but now, as in present day, 2015, England, the US, all these other first world countries, the developed countries, 
Yeah. Some, not being able to read or write. Sometimes it's the kid, sometimes it's the teacher, I think. Yeah, but not being able to do it at all. And you don't just have one teacher for your whole life, do you? You go through one every year at least. And then you go into secondary school, you have one for every subject. Yeah, but if you don't go... <laughs> yeah, I know, so it's the person's problem. That's what I'm yeah. saying. The education gets handed to them. If you can't read or write, it's your own fucking problem. Fuck off. School, it's not always their fault if they don't go sometimes. If it's the well, if a parent takes them out. Yeah, but you can still learn at a later date. I just don't understand people that just never learn. How do you get by in the world? It's ridiculous. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. That was my rant. That's that was my mid-episode rant. for the week. Yeah. <laughs> so, well... Oh, is this why people think I sound posh sometimes? Because I say shit like that? Because you're elitist, Tarman. I told you earlier. <laughs> if only I had the money to be elitist as well. <laughs> It'd be perfect. Anyway. Yeah, so we've... so We just talked about the letter. Not only did they think that it was, like, a native, uh, like, foreign native, like German, they believed it was to do with organised crime. Yeah. So gangsters or people kind of like that. Like Ilk. Al Capone. They actually contacted Al Capone. Um, but the, when he was in prison, yeah, and he, he he wanted to help, but it was in return for getting released or something like that. Yeah, I don't think he wanted to help. I think he just wanted yeah, to be released. Yeah. And obviously, the police were like, "Oh, you can, you know, f off there." So, I mean, this kidnapping was so big that the president was notified. And uh, yeah, uh, bearing in mind the status of Charles Lindbergh, the public, you know, were kind of really shocked. Not just because it was. A kidnapping, but because it was, you know, a baby of quite a rich person, quite yeah. a well loved. Person. And the president said that he'd do anything and move heaven or hell to get him back, which I just found really upsetting. I was like, oh, then you realise how valued the rich, overpaid, pompous idiots of the world are. Whereas if it was just, say, a person in council state, their child was kidnapped, do you really think David Cameron would be getting involved in saying that he'd move heaven and earth to get? get the child back and moving resources from city to city because I think people yeah. police from Washington were on alert and they were supposed to be working the case as well whereas this was mm. in New Jersey yeah but it's a, if it's a person on the council estate it's probably the parents <laughs> and I'm the elitist <laughs> Um, I didn't say that, but um, that's what, that's what so Tarly says, because she is an elitist. You call me an elitist. You are. I guess so are you. <laughs> no, that's the kind of thing oh, you'd God, say. People must hate us. This is why we need Chris back. He's a, he's a lovable, every guy kind of person. Why did he have to kidnap that child and go to prison? Bloody hell. Mm. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing Tarman would say, that hey. you're a child, you know. <laughs> I came from the council estate. Oh, well done. Yeah, so I can read and fucking write, can't I? Anyway. I, I assume so. <laughs> oh, hey, I managed to get through uni, mate. Mm, uh, Someone left after one year. Yeah, that was money. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, let's carry on. evil of the world, money. Mm-hmm. Um, so the FBI was authorised to investigate the case and... The United States Coast Guard and U.S. Customs Service and the Immigration Service were also kind of allowed to have their say in it. Again, no one from a council estate would get that. Well, it depends if you live near the coast, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, so, yeah, and the rewards, I mean, New Jersey officials were offering $25,000 as a reward, and the Lindbergh family themselves were offering fifty thousand dollars 
So that's total reward of like seventy five dollars. Say seventy five thousand dollars. What? Seventy five thousand dollars. That's what I said, wasn't it? No, you said seventy five dollars. Yeah, it's only a baby. so yeah um so this massive reward was obviously been quite tempting to think some people charles Lindbergh was being quite you know he's quite dominating using his influence to control the yeah he basically controlled the whole investigation um he was ordering everyone to do everything yeah some people like said it's a bit suspicious but you have to bear in mind at the time a lot of kidnappings often led to the perpetrators never being found. Yeah, I mean, the, there was quite a lot of um, incidents, I think, of police incompetence for dealing with kidnappings. You, so you could argue that 20-minute delay you know, is police incompetence. So you can understand why Charles Lindbergh might want to take control. Yeah, I guess, but... So, um, uh, but think about it, if it was your child. They, these are people that are qualified to deal with it. I would rather I leave know. that the, to them the police, than try and deal the with it. The police aren't always that great, though, are they? Yeah, I know, but if it was a choice between the police investigating and me investigating, I know I watch a lot of detective shows, but I don't actually think I'd be able to if find you, If you want to find your child, suspect. though, you do anything. I guess. I guess. Yeah, maybe he's the type of person that doesn't want to sit on the sidelines. He needs to be involved every step of well, the way. Well, I, I watched a video which said he was quite controlling. He'd like to be in control It's not that surprising to me. So, yeah. Um, so, a few days after the kidnapping, a new ransom letter arrives at the Lindbergh home via the mail. Uh, this was postmarked in Brooklyn, and the letter uh, was considered to be genuine. Um, and then there was another letter that came, also from Brooklyn, and then there was... Uh, the letters were saying that they were apsing, up, uh, apsing, upping their ransom demand to uh, seventy sorry, $70,000 because they involved the police. Yeah, exactly. Right, this comes on to a man called John Condon, not John Condon. So, um, he was... Uh, I thought it was like James Corden when I first read it, but I first read it a few years ago. Mm. Oh, that'd be annoying. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, during this time, a well-known Bronx personality and retired school teacher, John F. Condom, um, he, he co- comes on to be known as Jaffsy for some reason, which I'm not quite sure about. Maybe it's just, like, some sort of a pen name yeah. for him because he wrote for newspapers. Yeah. Because um, some people don't want to write under their own name. Yeah. Um, he wrote a letter to the Bronx Home News, and he was offering... $1,000 if the kidnapper would turn the child over to a Catholic priest. And... Oh, yeah, because, like, up against the 75000 yeah, we'll definitely do the $1,000 one. Yeah, I mean, you know... It's just, <laughs> I just don't like this guy, because I just think he wants attention. Mm. So, sorry, carry on. We're only at the beginning of his part of the story. Yeah. Condon received a letter reportedly written by the kidnappers. It authorised Condon to be their intermediary with Lindbergh. Lindbergh accepted the letter as genuine. What surprised quite a few people was that Condon agreed... uh, No, that the kidnappers agreed to this idea, and also that Lindbergh agreed to have Condon as a kind of intermediary. It's... It's a bit strange. <laughs> I'd understand why Lindbergh would agree, because he, he, that's yeah, he the only could, way to contact yeah, the kidnappers. Yeah, could be desperate. I can understand that, but people... It, uh, I think some people said they're a bit surprised that someone like Lindbergh would agree to that. Yeah, but then I understand why the kidnappers would as well, because it's gotten, like, a lot of publicity, a lot of heat. They can't exactly approach the Lindbergh themselves at this point. Yeah. So it's easier... It's better for them to have an intermediary. 
Mm. So they contact the intermediary, the intermediary will pass the information along. It's like the middleman. That's why every business or <coughs> everything has a middleman. Mm. Anyway, so following the latest letters and instructions, Condon placed a classified ad in the New York American reading. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Sorry, you're just reading it word for word. What's the point of reading it otherwise? <laughs> um, so yeah. You could have just told me you wanted me to do it. Were you really going to say it any differently? I wouldn't read it word for word. <laughs> okay, so a condom waits for further instructions from the culprit. So a meeting is arranged between the groups, between, well, between Condon and the kidnappers, and it was scheduled to be at Woodlawn Cemetery. Oh, that's such a lovely place. Have you been there? Cemetery. Cemetery. Oh, yeah. We, a cemetery for crying we, out loud. We love cemeteries. The irony of that. Yeah. So Condon said the man sounded foreign. Which would go with the theory that the, uh, the writer of the letter was not native to America. Um, but uh, according to Condon, he also stayed in the shadows during the conversation, so he, he wasn't really able to get a kind of close look at his face and... Yeah, I read a report on that, and it feels like, you know, that movie M from, like, way back in Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it reminded me of that. Yeah. For some reason, Staying in the Shadows. I get what you mean there. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Yeah, it's a great film. Yeah. (coughs) Of course, we'd like it. Are you kidding? Yeah, we're the type of people that like that movie. Yeah. So, the man said his name was John, and he said he was, like, some Scandinavian sailor. He said he was... Yeah, because, yeah, you'd say that to someone when you're picking up, giving ransom demands yeah. after you just kidnapped someone, you'd actually give them a description of yourself. Yeah. I wonder if he did, like, I I say it or something like that. <laughs> so he said he was part of a gang of three men and two women. Uh, and the women were innocent. Yeah. And the, um, the child was unharmed, uh, but we know that to be untrue. Uh, no, because we actually haven't told the listeners yet. That the baby was already dead. <laughs> the baby was already dead, yeah. He died, died pretty soon night, after he was taken. So we probably should have said that at the beginning and just so you, you have the whole yeah, episode to let us in. They didn't find that until we didn't get onto the discovery of the body. We should have left it for that. Because you're reading it off Wikipedia and they haven't actually come to the discovery of the body yet. <laughs> Shut up, <bro. laughs> well, We can edit this out a bit. No, yeah. we're not. It'll sound better, editing. <laughs> you <laughs> better fucking do. <laughs> it's funnier for me. Okay. Is this how you always seem to know so much stuff? You're just reading it off Wikipedia. <laughs> I usually write my notes and change it a little bit. <laughs> but there's just so much for this one. It's like loads. Yeah, that is true. This is actually yeah. There's quite a I lot. I mean, this is all literally like this is just the detail of it. For the theories, no, no. This is just the one chapter. Of with it. the theories, I can work off what I've watched and stuff like that. Okay. But Condon initially didn't believe that this guy actually had the baby, and so he wanted more proof, basically. Yeah, like, whenever you get a um, call from a kidnapper, you ask for proof of life, you ask to speak to that person. Yeah, and... It's the sensible thing to do. Yeah, I wasn't saying, wasn't, not questioning <laughs> whatsoever. I'm just having an input. Oh, well, yeah, that was great, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, you're reading off Wikipedia. <laughs> At least my thoughts are my own. Yeah, I'll, I'll add my own thoughts later. <laughs> You're saving them up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so the kidnapper says, I'll return later with the baby sleeping suit. Which is basically a onesie, I think. They had onesies back then. That's great. Uh, yeah, but they called it a sleeping suit. It's like a onesie. It's pyjamas <laughs> for the baby. Yeah. And uh, for some like reason, the stranger asked Condon, would I burn, which means to be executed, if the package, which means baby, was dead? And when questioned further, he assured Condon that the baby was still alive. 
On March the 16th, John Condon receives a, ma- a package uh, through the mail that is the toddler's sleep- sleeping suit, which he shows to Charles Lindbergh. And he also has a, another ransom note with it. Lindbergh identifies this sleeping suit as belonging to his son. As does Gal. As does Gal, yeah. Because she made it. Yeah. So Condon then uh, places a new ad in the, the newspaper declaring that the money is ready and that no cops will be involved and no secret service as well because they were also involved. So Even the bloody secret service. Yeah, and he says, I'll come alone. Uh, that's what she said. <laughs> like last time. <laughs> to you frequently. <laughs> <laughs> right, so one month after the child's kidnapped, the, kid- uh, the kidnappers, nearly said killers then, uh, the kidnapping. Well, yeah, they are that too, aren't they? So, oh, this is look, this is on April Fool's Day as well. So, April the first, um, <laughs> <laughs> the receipts. You really have to the, start it when yeah. it's on April Fool's Day as well. I just think it's an interesting point. Okay. Condon receives a letter from the reported kidnappers saying that they were ready to accept payment. And the reason why I mention April Fool's, it could just have possibly been an April Fool's letter. This yeah. was going out in the public, which will come with... Did come they have April Fool's back then? How long has April Fool's been I around? I think it's been around for a pretty long time. Really? Yeah. It's, it sounds like one of those stupid things from old days. So, um, they, so um, Lindbergh's quite willing to pay this, like, ransom. I mean, it's not, um, it's not all kind of... It's not always advised that you should do sometimes. Yeah, but, like, we talked about it before. What wouldn't you do to get your child back yeah. if it was kidnapped? This is perhaps one of the benefits of having Charles Lindbergh as your dad. You know, he was willing yeah. to pay. <laughs> to be fair, he wouldn't have got kidnapped if he wasn't Charles Lindbergh's dad. It's not, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, it's slightly double-edged short, I guess. Yeah. So uh, the ransom money, there's quite a clever idea that uh, the ransom money should be made of gold certificates. And the reason they did this, because they were going to be withdrawn soon, but they also had uh, serial numbers, which you could trace them with. So it was... Um, the thing is with this, I don't know if it was the serial numbers or were they marked, because I've read both. So I've read some things saying it was marked gold bills, and then some people, uh, some places saying it was the serial numbers, they weren't marked. Yeah, I, what it's what I <laughs> what I'm reading on Are Wikipedia. You, what, what is it on Wikipedia? What did they, they say? <laughs> they say that the bills themselves were not marked. Oh, of course, the Wikipedia must be correct. Um, the internet never lies. What I do know from the by the documentary I was watching was that the serial number was very important to tracing them. Yeah, it's like built it like money has serial numbers as well. Yeah, right? yeah, everything. That's the way you trace everything. So this was considered quite a clever idea because it was going to help rat out who had kind of the money. And, I mean, obviously, um, there was still some of it going about, so there was still would have been other people who weren't the culprit that would have it. So it was just sifting through kind of those people. And this would come quite important in just discovering a suspect. So... That and when it goes out of circulation, they have to actually turn it in and exchange it. Yeah. So... If the kidnappers would go and turn in the money and you see the serial numbers marked, you have the information Mm. of the person that's turning in the money, you go after them because they'll obviously give the correct information, won't they? Really? (laughs) I was being sarcastic, love. Oh, right. Yeah, but the the problem, I mean, the thing is, not everyone's, they obviously knew not everyone would return the the money in. So it's just making case of finding people with the serial numbers, I guess. So Condon, the next day on April 2nd, meets this John person at the, I think it's at the cemetery again. 
Oh, this John person sounds like fun. Yeah. And Condon tells John that they've been able to raise $50,000. And John decides to accept this. And he John tells Condon that the child's supposedly in the care of two women who are innocent, as you said earlier. Now we come to the discovery of the body. So we've got to be... Uh, Got to be a bit more solemn here. No laughing, all right? I don't... You're the one that... I, I haven't yeah. laughed at all. Okay, if you say so. Okay. I've only laughed at you reading with Pete. <laughs> okay. Right, so um, a truck driver... This is, like, May the 12th, and a truck driver is... So, two months after the baby was kidnapped. Yeah. Which is... I mean, it's actually quite a long time in some ways. Yeah, because after... When a child is kidnapped, it's imperative that you find them within 48 hours or any time after that, it's likely that they will be found deceased or yeah. not found at all. So, um... It's bad that that just rolled off my tongue so easily. You've watched a lot of documentaries, have you? On this? Yeah, I've watched a lot of documentaries. <laughs> I've read a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, William Allen, uh, he's a truck driver. He, you know, he pulls over to have a piss or something. <laughs> That's what he does. So eloquent. Uh, yeah. um, he's about 4.5 miles away from the Nimburg home near a place called Mount Rose, uh, which is quite close to Hopewell, which is where the Nimburg home is, I think. Or one of their because mm-hmm. they had two homes, didn't they? I think they had two, but we'll get onto the homes mm. thing later when we get onto theories, because I have some stuff to say about yeah. that. So it's while he was going to take this piss that he discovered the body of a child. <laughs> we shouldn't laugh Okay, carry bit. on. We have to be solemn. Um, let me say that bit again. And then he discovered... And there he discovered the body of a toddler. Alan notified the police, and they took this body to the morgue. Um, it was badly decomposed at this point, and the skull was fractured. It was identified. Lindbergh and Gal both identified that it was... I love how Gal's so heavily involved in this and you don't actually hear about the mother. Yeah. she. The mother does seem a bit, like, left to the sidelines. Yeah, but then I guess it's the 20s, 30s, sorry, like, um, they don't exactly have much status. It's the husband that does everything, right? Yeah. The mother just I, sits I at home. I can imagine, like, you, in those, with, like, the upper classes, or, with, like, rich people, in general, the nurses are closer to the kids than the mother sometimes, yeah. so, yeah. It's not even in those days, it's in these days. I suppose the nannies are yeah, nanny. the kids than the rich mothers. Um, so he, he was identified the fact that he had overlapping toes, and this might be a little bit more important later on mm-hmm. in one of the theories. It was considered that the child had been killed by a blow to head, but uh, it was difficult. No one really knew how at this point. Yeah, because it was, it was two months afterwards. He's been sitting there for two months. Yeah. There's an in- well, possibly, if he... Yeah, I am assuming, because it was found quite close to the home, I just assume that the killer killed him fairly soon after he was taken. Yeah, which obviously raises like some questions, like a kidnapping theory. If, if they really wanted money for it, they like, you might want to keep it alive. In some ways, I suppose. Yeah, but I'd understand why they wouldn't as well. Mm. Because you're not going to hand over the child the moment you get the money. You get the money and then yeah. you give them a location. But it's risky giving them a location or actually giving them the child. Yeah, true. Because that way there is some sort of a link back to you. I think I'm right in most cases. Because most Yeah, because people... this happens a lot. Mm. Usually they sometimes, a lot of the time they do kill the person that they kidnapped. Yeah. Very rarely do, like, people actually survive this kind of thing. Yeah. 
and uh, this is uh, this is one reason why the case was like so important was that once uh, Congress learned that the child was dead, legislation was brushed through making kidnapping a federal crime. So, but again, I mean, it took... No, no, it was kidnapping and then taking the child across state lines. Yeah. That was a federal crime. And it's called the Lindbergh Law. And it's funny because that wouldn't even apply to this case because he wasn't taken across any state lines. Yeah, but also the fact, as you mentioned earlier, if he was some kid on a uh, council estate... Council estate, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, it wouldn't be changing the law kind of thing, would it? So, um, even from early on, officials did suspect that it might be an inside job, possibly perpetrated. Oh, yes, we're doing the theories, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, cool. I like this bit. Right. The first uh, suspect, or kind of suspect, is Violet Sharp. Oh, my God, you're still reading off the Wikipedia page, aren't you? I I will start here, um, but I, I will divert a little bit more now, I think, from... Now, Violet Sharp was the... Who was she again? (laughs) <laughs> she was a maid, a British, British maid. maid. So already it does kind of, it does sound quite like an Agatha Christie novel in some ways. Yeah, so she was suspected because she she was acting a bit suspiciously at the time. She seemed nervous and stuff. Which you do when you're talking to police anyway. I found this really yeah, stupid. I, I, like, I'm always nervous when I'm talking to police. Yeah, and I just, you know, it's it's a, it's like a big case as well. She's closely involved with it. Why wouldn't you be a bit nervous? And she's under so much pressure as well from the police. Yeah. And everyone around her. Um, so she gave contradictory statements as as to her whereabouts on the night of this kidnapping. But you, I think sometimes you do when you're in that kind of situation. Yeah. You know. Because I, I do that. Whenever I'm in like a situation that's high pressure and someone asks me something, I fuck up. I say something and then I don't mean it, and then I was like, actually, no, it's this. So, yeah. I think the problem is sometimes also when you're doing those things, you don't know later on that's going to become important in an investigation. Yeah. So she could have been doing fairly little, but she might just struggle to remember what she was doing or get. Yeah, because if it's like you're sitting at home just (coughs) reading a book and they ask you, oh, what book were you reading? What chapter are you on? They read too much into it, and then you're just like, oh, I actually don't know. Yeah. Also, I think someone pointed out that she could have lost her job over this, yeah. you know, if she had been proved. She could have lost a lot more, to be honest, if she had been proved guilty. Yeah. Um, so she committed suicide just before she was about to be questioned. So that obviously did cause a little bit of a problem in that... No, no, no. She committed suicide after the fourth time she was no, it's questioned. Just before. The police were hounding her. It was her. just before. Before the fourth yeah. time. I thought the it was The police afterwards. arrived mm-hmm. and she went upstairs and killed herself. Uh, well, yeah, so the police were hounding her. And then after she died, they found out that her alibi was actually true. Yeah, that, that was like one of the criticisms of this case, that they kind of were hounding a lot of people, including this housemaid, so... <laughs> but I understand why they thought it was a housemaid or someone in the house staff. Because, you see, we mentioned earlier about the two houses. Yeah. This house in um, in New Jersey, they hadn't actually officially moved into. This is the first week that they were just staying there to try it out. Mm. I, I didn't know about this until I watched a documentary. They hadn't actually officially moved in. Yeah. So how the hell would the kidnappers know that they were there? I had one person suggest that, in a documentary, that she may have inadvertently 
told the kidnappers about this. So the kidnappers could have, uh, their idea was the kidnappers could have just gone to the state asking around, maybe. Or you could have even Yeah, but even this is, this is like, a woman under the employ of really rich people. Mm. There are certain things that she can and can't say, and I'm pretty sure she knows what she can and can't say. I don't know. Sometimes you might just inadvertently blare it out to someone. Maybe. Maybe he got up close and personal with this woman, and she... Yeah, maybe he seduced her. Who knows? Yeah. And then she let her guard down, and she told him, and then she realised what she'd done and killed herself. I'm not saying that's what happened. It might not have been her. It could have been another member of staff. Yeah. But that's why I see some credence in it being an inside job or someone being from their staff being an accomplice. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we both agree it's a bit harsh on her, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and even if she had inadvertently let them know, you know, it doesn't mean she's guilty, so... Yeah, but then you feel guilty, though. Like, you know when you yeah. fucked up, and even if it's, like, the tiniest thing, and the person that you fucked up with, well, the person that is affected by your fuck-up isn't that bothered by it, but you are, and it just drags at you for, like, yeah. a day or two. I think also, back in those days, reputations were quite, like, important. And if, mm-hmm. if that was if that was genuinely the case for her and that had come out, that would have been... I mean, that could have cost her, like, future employment and stuff like that. And that's quite, mm. that's quite big on, I think, people's minds back those, those days. Because I'm guessing, like, a household servant, she, you know, she wasn't... Well, maybe that rich herself. No, clearly so not, she, or she wouldn't be a servant. Yeah, so she wouldn't necessarily have much, have much to fall back on. So you can understand her maybe wanting to protect her reputation. So Yeah. So I don't feel that she was directly involved with this, but I do think that there is some... Yeah, I do think that possibly there was mm. an inside job. Well, sticking on the inside job, we'll go next to Charles Lindbergh and the theory that... Actually, you know what? It, she can't have inadvertently let it slip because the killer, knew, the kidnapper knew which bedroom he's in. That's detail. Yeah, that is one thing. That... That's detail. So it must have been an accomplice that was in the know. So it can't have just been an accident. They must have actually been involved. Mm. Because they knew when to go. They knew what room to hit. They knew when the nurse and the parents would be out of the bedroom. Yeah. So they knew the schedule. If it was a household accomplice, then they would have been directly involved. There's no way it would have just been they let it slip. Yeah. Because the chances of them letting it slip and then him going into the correct room and taking the child out, managing to get rid of the ladder before the police arrive and himself, it's very slim. There's a lot of coincidences in there. Yeah. I, I don't know how likely a friend of the family is because if they just moved in, before they were just trying... They hadn't even moved in, they were just trying yeah, it out. Yeah, they were just trying it out. A family of a fr- like a friend of the family, I don't think they necessarily know that kind of information just yet. Yeah, that's true, because you don't broadcast your... Actually, no, in, in this day and age, you do broadcast your every movement to friends. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't. Like, the people that are Facebook and Twitter friendly do. Yeah. But day-to-day people, normal people, don't broadcast their day-to-day movements to, to everyone their friends or anyone. So... Like, yeah. unless it's major, like, oh, I had a baby, yeah, you'd probably tell your mm. friends. But, oh, I had a burger, you probably wouldn't. No. So, I mean, it does limit it, really, to the household staff. Who, yeah. I, I, there were, what, from what I'm reading, there wasn't many. No. It was literally just the nurse, the housemate, and I think the Lindberghs, I think. Yeah. 
I think so, So yeah. it's quite small, so if it's got to be one of those people... Unless they have other, other staff that just weren't at that house. Yeah, possibly. Because they could have had staff at the other house. It does seem like information that only someone in the household would know, unless it was someone who really knew where the baby always sleeps, but I don't see that as being likely. Well, the baby always sleeps. I mean, they just moved into this house. Yeah. So there is no designated area, unless it was someone that was working on the house. Yeah. So it could have been someone in construction that was helping out or doing the decorating or something. So they would know where the baby's sleeping because they did up the nursery. And they'd know when the parents, the family Mm. are going to be moving in because that's the date they have to finish by. I mean, it's either that or just a really good guess. But that's, that's a lot I mean, of coincidences. Yeah, if it is a guess, you're depending on going up that ladder, looking in the right room. <laughs> if you've got the wrong room, I mean, you're you're fucked basically. Yeah. Because you know. Now, if you've got the room with the Limber, uh, Limberg Senior in, he's yeah, got Limberg Senior's got a yeah, gun. Shot in the face, you know, something yeah. like that. So yeah, that does that is something that is very like suspicious to people. Um, so shall we do like Lindbergh now and the idea that it might he might be behind it? Well, actually, we should have done the who actually got arrested first, <laughs> and then the theories. Oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah. His name was Richard Huffman. Huffman, yeah. But it's spelled H A U P T F A M. Yeah. Now he he was from Germany. So he fits, like, the description of what people thought this guy was... Well, from the writing on the letter and from the guy that Condon met at the cemetery. Yeah, I'm surprised they actually got the nationality right, though. Because it seemed to me that they picked German out of the air and then the guy that actually became the suspect and the person convicted was German. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, the Nazis, they're not in power just yet, but they're only round the corner. Yeah, so, it, no, it's the bits leading up to it, because, yeah, there was a big lead-up to them being in power. Yeah. I mean, they existed, it's just they didn't have as much power as they did a few years later. Yeah. Uh, so it's not necessarily, um, you wouldn't necessarily say, like, it's suspicions that he's a Nazi or something like that. But I always just find it weird why they pick German straight yeah. up. Yeah. It, it, of all things, hacking each other up from someone. Actually, no, you might have been able to tell up from uh, someone's writing. Because have, have you ever seen a French person's handwriting? You can tell yeah. they're French. Because they have a specific way they write. <laughs> I think the documentary I was watching did say that he had uh, that the person writing did have quite a Germanic way of writing. Yeah, okay, so that throws our um, little, oh, it's a bit odd, out the window. Yeah. It makes sense I, I, now. It makes sense now. We've talked it through. Yeah. <laughs> but still, it's still quite a. You still, I mean, handwriting experts, I mean, I don't know how advanced they were back then. I don't know whether that's something we've been a lot more sure about these days. Yeah, because, like, the handwriting experts were one of the reasons he was actually convicted. Mm. Oh, shit, no. We keep skipping stuff. How did he get arrested? Um, It it all comes back to these gold notes. And he, uh, he was at a petrol station, and he went to pay for some petrol with these gold notes. And it wasn't, it wasn't the fact, it, it, the, the guy who alerted the police, wasn't the fact that he believed this was the uh, Lindbergh baby kidnapper. It's just the fact that it's suspicious that he had these gold notes, because these have been out of... Circulation for about yeah, a year, yeah. because this was about two and a half years after the kidnapping. They became, they came out of circulation in 1933, I think it was? Yeah. I think it was 1933, and this is 1934. Yeah, so obviously this alerts his suspicion and he phones the police to say uh, that some guy's got this gold money that he shouldn't really have. 
these days. And so they, the police were obviously still looking for... They've been tracking down these gold bills, for, I think, for ever since they've gone out of circulation. Yeah, because they'd had a few close calls as well. Like, there was a time where they someone actually did turn in some of the notes. Yeah. About $2,900 worth of notes and but to the bank, but they'd given the supplied the wrong information. So that leak sort of ended up going nowhere. Yeah. And so, um, and these FBI agents had, like, a whole map of where these, this money was being found. Yeah. And a lot of it was found in the German-Austrian neighbourhood of Yorkville, and that's important because of, obviously, uh, the German connection to this case. So, yeah, um, it, basically, the money... The, well, the, the guy at the petrol station had, down, had written down the, the licence plate number for the car. Can I just say, this guy at the petrol station is really dedicated to his job. Yeah. Because sometimes at work, I feel like, fuck it. I'm not going to go the extra mile. I'll do bare minimum. I'm, and I'd imagine people at work at a petrol station would be like that. I'm not... So I applaud this man at the petrol station. He's long dead, but I applaud him. You have to admit, there's less cars in those days, though, to be fair. Yeah, I guess. You wouldn't get so many... You get a lot more cars these days. You wouldn't, I don't think you'd pay so much attention these days. You have CCTV yeah. anyway, so... Yeah, that's true, that's true. We don't need to pay attention. The police traced this car, and it belonged to this Richard Hartman, is it? Is that how you say it? Hartman. Hartman. Yeah, and he lived on 1279 East 202nd Street in the Bronx. And that's back to reading <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah, that's just useful. It's just useful. <laughs> That is true. You don't even need to listen to this episode. Read Wikipedia. He was a German immigrant, and he has a criminal record, which I think we should probably bring up now. Yeah, from Germany. um, One of the reasons why he was perhaps so convincing to the police was that he had not just a criminal record, um, but he had records of using ladders for crimes. No, he actually had the plans... It, when they searched his house, uh, no, 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 he no, actually no, no, had no, the no, plans no, no. to the making building of that ladder or a ladder similar to that. I'm going back to his criminal history in Germany. Like. Oh, sorry, carry on, carry on. Um, yeah, he'd used ladders before in quite a few crimes. So, obviously, he knew how to use them. And he I, I don't know if he'd been involved in, like, a kidnapping before or not. I can't remember now. He'd had, like, a criminal history before in Germany, and he he was known to, like, be able to kind of... Not necessarily mastermind, but he, he was very good at carrying out these kind of things. So this was, like, quite convincing. And as you say, there was um, his, one of his floorboards, was it, or something like that? The wood that was in his attic that he'd built... Yeah. I think it was an attic that he'd built. It was the same wood that was used to make the ladder... What was it? was I reading that it was actually an actual piece of his floor had been used to make the ladder? I just thought because he built the place himself, mm. so I thought it was the same wood yeah. that it was used, but I didn't know if it was a part of the actual place or it was just leftover wood. Mm. But not only that, that, he did have actual construction plans for that ladder or one similar to it, like I was saying yeah. before. And not only that, he's really, really stupid, this man. He'd pinned you know, Condon's contact details, so his address and his telephone number, to his, like, wall. And, th- this and they also found 14,000 
dollars, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, I think it was fourteen thousand, wasn't yeah, it? I, in his possession, and that was the marked, well, the the bills, the golden yeah. bills that he'd gotten as ransom payment. So it's this yeah. is like really, it's quite damning. Yeah. So like, if we looked at this evidence, we're just like, yeah, guilty. Yeah, I think the thing but about was he no, the thing about Condon is like, um, he had Condon's telephone number, and that was the most damning thing because you might be able to get some things from like the newspaper articles. But how he got, like, some of the other details, he was obviously interested in the case. Yeah, but then when questioned in trial, he was just like, yeah, I might have been interested in the case and wrote some stuff down, and it happened to be on my wall. There's still a bit. And he was like, why do you have his phone number? He's just like, I can't actually say. I don't. Yeah. I can't actually answer that question. I don't know. I, I can see why he's a suspect, because he clearly did it. Yeah. <laughs> he's clearly involved. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly very suspicious in this. And... Yeah. They found the fucking money. They found the gold certificates. Yeah. The fact that only a third was discovered. Which leads to something else we're going to talk yeah, about. The possibility of an accomplice. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, it's entirely possible that it could have just been him and he spent the rest of the money. But I don't know if that's likely. But I, I, I understand, like, just keeping a few of it in your possession and then hiding the rest of yeah. it. Yeah. So I'd probably do that. Well, I say I'd probably do that. But, like, if I won the lottery or something, I'm not going to go out and spend all the money. I'd have some money in my bank account with the rest in a savings account. So maybe that's just the criminal type of doing that. Yeah. So it's possible that some of the rest of the money was elsewhere. But the other suspicion is that he had an accomplice. And for the kind of crime that... Does some people do believe that kind of fits a lot better? Yeah, because we yeah because we discussed it before. We think that someone in the household was involved in the kidnapping because, come on, was, he must have known about their routine. Also, I, and he couldn't have found it out from anywhere else. Be, I think you'd be very brave to do this all on your own. It does seem, sound like the kind of crime you do with. It's yeah. it's it's kind of thing you talk over with other people. I think at least. Yeah, and the police obviously believed that he had an accomplice because they tried questioning him about yeah. it. They actually offered to commute his death sentence to a life sentence for admitting that he did the crime yeah. and to name his accomplices, but until his dying day, he denied it. Yeah. Uh, which some people think is strange and they believe it, whereas I read, I watched in documentaries that was just like because of reputation for the family, yeah. family legacy, which makes sense, especially back in the 1930s. But also, I mean, in this kind of crime, you'd, you'd want, like, a lookout or at least something, wouldn't you? So you really don't want to get caught by surprise or something like that. It, it's the yeah, kind of... especially in a rich man's estate where yeah. he owns weaponry and he has so much pull over the government. It does sound like the kind of crime you, you know, you do have to have a little bit of kind of cunning involved. Yeah. And I'm just not sure one person would be able to pull this kind of, like, crime off. No, have you ever watched White Collar? They always need at least two people. Yeah. So, yeah, um, so we kind of agree that it's likely that it was an accomplice. Yeah, I think there's no way you could have done it without one. Yeah, and it's the kind of crime where you think, yeah, you share the kind of the winnings, if you like, of what you get. That's what I see in it. Yeah, you have to. You have to. If if there's other people involved, yeah. you have to split the takings. I mean... And they're not just doing it for fun, are right. they? And, but who who might this accomplice be, some people wonder. And we've discussed it, the possibility it might be someone involved in the house. But there's another theory that it's um, someone called John Null. And his brother. And possibly, yeah, possibly his brother. Who is called Walter. Well, <laughs> the idea is that John Null lived... In, in in Bronx somewhere, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so he wouldn't necessarily be too far away from this Richard Hartman. 
Well, do you know where John Knoll came from? As in his nationality? He, he was, was also he, from Germany, uh, but I think yeah, he was okay. a different part of Germany to where this Richard person was from. Mm. But sort of gravitate like if you're leaving the country, you sort yeah. of gravitate in one community and interact with each other. Anyway. I mean, they, I think they live close by. He didn't live on like exactly the same street, but yeah. But I'm just saying, people in yeah. around those areas, if they're from the same nationality, they tend to mingle. <laughs> yeah. So you, they they often like come together. You guess so. It's not like unlikely that they might have met. Well, they could have just met in passing because um, John Knoll, he ran a deli or something. Yeah, he worked so at a deli. Just, it could have been something they discussed at the deli mm. over some deli food. <laughs> nice thing to discuss at the deli. <laughs> yeah. We've discussed worse at a deli, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, to be fair, we probably have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's entirely possible they may have known each other. And he does fit the description that I think Condon gave of John, but as we said, that was a very vague description because you can actually see. Yeah, if he was in the shadows as well, you can barely see them. You can maybe make out the height. Yeah. Maybe, but I'm really terrible at heights, and I know other people are, I can't really tell anyone's height. Yeah. And one thing was, um, like, his thumbs were meant to be slightly abnormal, like, they had either coloration or they were normally big. And Mm. there's a photo of him with, and yeah, he's got slightly big thumbs. Um, you mean like club thumbs? I don't know, they're just like big. I wouldn't say they're clubbed necessarily. Oh, I haven't seen photos of his thumbs. So I tend not to look at thumbs much. Yeah, well this do- documentary said it was important, but they're saying that, um, it, yeah, he had discoloration. It fits slightly, but anyone could like have abnormal looking thumbs. In, in yeah. photos, hands do look like bigger. I've noticed that. Yeah, like my my middle fingers in both my hands on both my hands, so yeah. like they're a bit tilted at the top. Yeah. But I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but that's a bit weird because other pe- other hands I've seen aren't like that. Yeah, but mine are both. But so it's weird for other people, but that's just because you're not exposed but to also, it. But also, whereas you yeah. see my hands all the time, so it makes no difference to you. Yeah. But also, it's, it's, but also it's, it's a black and white photo. That discoloration could be, could be, you know, it, it's so it's not necessarily. As in, what kind of discoloration? What know. colour did it look like? Because, like you know, smokers yeah. sometimes they get discoloured hands. Their hands turn slightly yellow. Yeah. Because they smoke and then tobacco and it's always in the hand, so they have discoloration from that. So it's. It could easily be tobacco smoke. Yeah. So it's very... I, I, I think they'd say it's quite circumstantial evidence, isn't it? It's, it's not more really, flimsy than circumstantial. Because yeah. it's... Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not exactly damning evidence. I mean, I think we should discuss why this is probably isn't true. Uh, did you watch this documentary, is it? I watched part of a documentary. Well, I... I had to stop and not carry yeah, on. Yeah, I... Um, basically, the documentary I watched, and the guy that... Um, that puts forward this theory. He's an amateur detective. Um, his connection to this guy is that he, his dad used to be a neighbour of John Knoll and Walter Knoll. And he saw, apparently his, his dad remembers seeing John Knoll and Walter Knoll discussing something with someone called Bruno. And this is all that this, this is all this guy's going on, the fact that his dad recalls Speaking, uh, well, no, he remembers overhearing a conversation with this John Knoll and Walter Knoll. Well, we're getting onto this, like, this feels like we're doing a Roswell episode again with the Chinese whispers. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's a bit flimsy. I mean, I think it's more than a bit flimsy. You, you know, uh, but also, I mean, what someone said that um, 
this Richard Hartman, he never went by the name Bruno, even though that was his actual first name. But he just never used it. Even when he was back in Germany, he didn't use it. So calling him Bruno doesn't necessarily fit with this uh, it being... I'm sure there was plenty of German Brunos. Yeah. I mean, at worst, I mean, they may be using it to disguise the fact that it was Richard, but... Possibly. I, I doubt it, though. But wouldn't you come up with a proper, like, code name rather than the person's first name? Yeah. It seems a bit stupid. Also, they did tests on, like, the handwriting on one of the letters. Well, naturally, all the letters, I think. And John, the likelihood of John Noel writing any of those letters was quite remote, according mm. to this document. I don't really put much credence in the John and Walter Noel thing. Yeah, anyway. also, and I think the fact that it's, it's like an amateur detective. He's just trying to make his yeah. name for himself. It's like us doing it. Yeah. It's basically like this podcast, but, but the only difference is with this podcast, we don't actually say what we say is true. We're just telling them it's our theory. Yeah. I also, I mean, it's being presented in a television documentary as well. Um, yeah, again, um, which we've spoken about in yeah. previous episodes. They find the narrative and they find any evidence they can to fit that narrative. They never actually solve these things either. They yeah, almost they always come out with, it's not actually that likely in the end. That's what most, like, these documentaries about. They're, they're quite boring in a way. I mean, it's always nice to see a different theory, but then you realise... You realise they're it's, quite stupid. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and also, this documentary... Um, it's being presented by someone called John E. Douglas. And uh, the reason why he's... He might be interesting to us, in a way, because he's actually... You know, in Hannibal, the yeah. books, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's actually the um, inspiration for Jack Crawford in the book. But oh. he's also, according to uh, the creator of Hannibal, the TV series, part of all Graham's based on what happened to him. He had a, a severe case of viral encephalitis or something. So that's okay. why he's 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 slightly interested, but um, he's he's like one of these like profilers, I believe. And so oh, he, yes, yes, he yes. profiles uh, he profiled uh, the kid, the kidnapper, and he, he kind of kind of fits the idea of um, Richard Hartman. But it, it's again, it's after the time he did this after the time. So yeah, but all of this stuff about that has come up after the time. Yeah, it's been sensationalised. Yeah, so it's very easy for him to say. You know, oh, he's like that. But also, um, he he was involved in the Green River Killer case as well, in providing a um, p- profile for that. And he said one of the letters in that case was a hoax, when it turned out it was actually written by the killer. So he's not very dependable in some ways as well. Yeah, but then again, uh, people get things wrong all the time. Yeah, but also he he appears in a lot of television documentaries as well. So he's got he's yeah. got he's got ideas to sell as well. So I'm not I wouldn't mm. exactly depend on his idea. Okay, so Matt, I'm pretty sure like the listeners are realizing how far we've gone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, we this is pretty lengthy. We weren't expecting it. We got we could edit um, it a bit. But now. this is yeah, this is quite well. This is quite a long topic. It's quite <laughs> it's a topic with a lot yeah. of stuff. It's a topic with a lot of stuff involved. <laughs> Stop coughing when I'm talking. Right. <laughs> All right, so I think time for one more theory, and then we'll wrap it up, Shall we right? do the Charles Lindbergh one? Yes, that's the one that you wanted to do, isn't it? Oh, well, it's, it's kind of, I think, the most important one, in a way. I don't yeah. believe it, though. I'll add that now. No, neither do I. The idea is that Charles Lindbergh ordered the kidnapping of the baby because it was possibly disabled or something like that. And yes. We, um... And why this would be important to him was that he was a believer in eugenics. 
And obviously, this kid being disabled would mean that the breeding was not good. So basically, it means that Lindbergh didn't have like superior genes or stuff like that. So um, that's one why one reason why it could possibly be plausible. The only problem with this is people did used to do well. They didn't have their child kidnapped, but if the child came out disabled, they would just put them in a home yeah. and never speak of that child again. So why would anyone go to this length when they could just do that? Yeah, because they were doing this up until recently. They disowned the child. They'd send it away. Yeah, it seems like a major extreme to go to. Yeah, just to cover up a birth, uh, like a birth defect or something. Yeah. Um, also, the the idea that he had any kind of birth defect is a bit. Um, one book suggests he may have had rickets, but then uh, someone who I uh, think analysed the body said. Even if it did have rickets, it was only, like, a minor f- form of it. So that that's yeah. not a likely theory, I don't think. Neither do I. And he was only one years old. How much How... would you be able to tell? By Unless it? it was, like, a physical disability and something that you could tell from that age. Yeah. But, and if you could, then the press would have figured that out already because they were public figures. Yeah. But ba- basically, um, some people just believe the fact that he had so much money and influence means he could distract from the fact that it was him behind it all. Yeah, but the problem is with that is he was the one driving the media speculation anyway. Yeah. He was the one going after this person. He was the one doing the investigations. He was the one putting up the money for any information. Yeah. If 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 he was involved, I think he would have taken the back seat. Yeah. And yeah, he would have used his money to pay off the police force or whoever to cover it up. <coughs> he would have taken the back seat. He wouldn't have been at the forefront of it. Yeah. Is it like also, I mean, if it'd gone wrong, you could argue, argue, yeah, he, we wanted it to be kind of done quietly, and it went wrong. It's still, I still don't think that explains it, though. You see, yeah, because I don't, I, I don't think it makes. He did have a lot of money and influence. He had mm. friends in high places. If it had gone wrong, he could have just called one of his friends, uh, in like I don't know, the president. He was pally with him and they could have just certified it as like an accidental death like cop death yeah or something if he had accidentally died Lindbergh would have been able to cover it up fairly easily i mean we've seen we've talked about how much influence he has throughout this episode yeah so if he had died accidentally Lindbergh could have covered it up without having to stage this massive kidnapping and get condon involved and get hoffman involved yeah. and all these other people yeah if you evolved you kind of want it to go as way as quick as possible wouldn't you so you wouldn't, like, build it up so much. <laughs> yeah, and you wouldn't have let Condon be involved because Condon, Condon seems like a glory hunter. He never let this case go. Yeah. That, this case is the reason he has notoriety. So there's no way he would have... If he were, if he was the one controlling everything, there's no way he would have let Condon involved because after the deal is done, Condon could have easily just gone and blabbed because he likes the glory. Yeah. Um, I mean, because the only other reason, like, this, the, this person who wrote this book puts forward that this... Uh, that Glimberg might have done it was the fact that he he had a like secret family years later, so that he says yes that's kind of a scheming character. So it's, it could not be well, not really but... because people do that all yeah. the time, and rich people do that all the time. He still had the family with I don't even know his wife. Anne. Anne. I just realised Anne. Anne. He still had, they still went and had children. They moved to England yeah. and had children, and then he had a secret family. So how why didn't he kill off all the other children that yeah. he had with Anne? I'd also, I don't think this is, like, until the f- late 50s either. Yep, yeah, so this was years after. It was, like, yeah. 20 years afterwards. 
And I don't think the information about the other family came out until later. It wasn't, yeah. I think he had the family a couple of days later. Yeah, so yeah, it was after he died. So again, that makes no sense. Also, this book, it puts forward like um, an idea, but it's got absolutely no evidence as well. Uh, The books go. Yeah, but that's like with most of the books, they just hang on to the flimsy thing. We're getting on to like the Roswell thing again. There's like no evidence. It's just they pick out certain things that they like and they construct a story about it, around it. I I think some people, it's just convenient to believe that someone, money and power and influence. It's just someone that wants to sell books. Yeah. They need to come up with a different angle. It's like the Jack the Ripper stuff. Every book that comes out, they need to come up with a different angle, a different suspect to sell it. But I've got to admit, I think some people are against people who've got money and power. Oh, yeah, they are, definitely. Some people just hate them for no reason. Even if they are a bit suspicious or a bit evil sometimes, they're not necessarily Yeah, but even if they're perfectly fine, people still hate them because they have money. Yeah, it's greed, really, I think. Yeah, it's jealousy and greed. They have to think that this man did this horrible thing. Yeah. Where, when, in actual fact, no, he probably just lost his son yeah. and he was heartbroken about it. I mean, at the end of the day, unless you fuck a pig, it's all right. <laughs> That's brought it around all full circle, I think. Right. Okay, so this means we're signalling we're finally wrapping up yeah. because I'm bursting to go the loo, yeah. yeah? Well, listeners, we actually did leave out so much stuff, but there is so much is stuff too on much. this. It's too much. That's why he had to read the Wikipedia page all the way through. Notes, but I just didn't get around to it. It's the same. I actually did the note taking. So basically, we should have switched up this episode, and I got done all the detailing, and then he just jumped in. Yeah. Seeing as I had the information in my head. I watched a documentary. Matters. Yeah, but I've studied this for several years. Have you? As in, I read about it. (laughs) <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, so this is really interesting. We haven't actually been able to go into all the details, but we yeah. suggest you look into it because it is pretty interesting. Oh, we discussed the main um, theories as well. You would discuss the main theories. I think it was definitely Hoffman, and I think he had help. Yeah. But I don't think that... Well, John and Walter Noel, they could have been involved, but I don't think the evidence against them... Yeah, I mean... It stands so much. I mean, anyone could have been involved. Yeah. Any other yeah, German. but I yeah, yeah. So Hoffman definitely did yeah. it in my eyes, and he had a little bit of help. Yeah, but yeah. So we've actually just condensed it into yeah, yeah, small sentences at the end of the episode. <laughs> but you should you should definitely do some other research after this, yeah. listening to this, if you found it interesting, because we did man we did have to leave out quite yeah. a lot of stuff. I mean, it's actually quite an interesting case. So, it is. Know. That's why I suggested it. And then I realised, oh, shit, we're doing the Limber baby. Yeah. <laughs> I was sort of dreading it, because we were supposed to do this a few weeks ago, and then I was like, you know what, I'm exhausted. I yeah. sort of don't want to do that now. Also, you should be proud of us. We didn't mention the Nazis that much, and when we did... It was purely, sort of relevant. Yeah, it was purely... It was actually relevant for yeah. once. I mean, Tom had made some insulting elitist comments, but apart from that... <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> but, yeah, so... It's been a while, so we're going to wrap this up. I think this is probably going to be one of the longer episodes. Yeah. But, so well, there is stuff to, have to edit s- out, though, because we did have to There is stuff there. to edit out, but I still think it's going to be fairly long. Yeah. Because we always start the episode saying, this is probably going to be a short one. I did not start this episode saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I knew it would happen. It would run over. Yeah, so we hope you enjoyed yeah. it. We hope Matt's coughing didn't piss you off too much and didn't hurt your ears. Look, look I, I had uh, the Loch Ness one's got loads of Chris coughing in it. That's why it's taking so long. The Loch Ness one that you recorded like six (laughs) months ago and we still haven't edited. 
So that we need to get on yeah. that because that has been sitting there ages. Oh. But yeah, so we hope you enjoyed it and good day. And good riddance. To bad rubbish. Yeah. We keep doing that one. Should we, we, should, we should have a different outro. Piss off, you wankers. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah, fuck off, Yulia. Yeah. Hi, Sumia. Bye. <laughs>